Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. We are back and plenty excited to be back uh, for this Thursday night, Friday morning edition of the Maroon Mike. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co-host, Lounge Dog. And that's right. Lounge and I, again, very thankful for those of you that are listening. We're excited for every single one of you um, to be here with us. Uh, as few of you, few of you as there are, we, we cherish each and every one of your listens. Thankful for that. Hope that you appreciate uh, our efforts as well. Going to get right into the show with a couple of of injury updates. These are from one person's perspective at practice. Uh, this is a person that is at practice every day, and I have no reason to believe that these aren't true. I'm just going to go ahead and put a disclaimer. Don't shoot me if this doesn't come to fruition. But Brandon Ruiz did not kick again this week so far. So that's a little bit troubling if you're a Mississippi State fan. But the only other player we're really concerned about, Emmanuel Forbes, he did practice this week. So we will see. If I had to call it right now, I would say Brandon doesn't kick, but Forbes does go. I know he got his bell rung pretty bad when he collided with Fred Peters, but it looks like tentatively that he's okay. So good news for the – uh, back into Mississippi State's defense. I'm not sure um, how much passing AM is going to be able to do this weekend, but it's definitely going to help to have Emmanuel Fours. But uh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves there. But we are here to talk about the Texas AM Aggies. Lounge, how are you feeling about these Aggies? Well, if I was you, I'd take the under. Basically, is what I'm getting at. What is the over under? Is it, I thought it was 47. Uh, see, I know the line is minus seven now. Uh, Coming on down, I hate it when that happens. When the line comes on down, means it puts false hope in my heart. Well, I mean, everybody's thinking A and M is going to cover. So hold on. It was, I think it was in the forties. Here I go. 46. 46. I was close. So this is not part of our free money segment, but if you if you were a betting man, which you are, you would take the under. Yeah. I'd have to agree. Pretty close though. It's pretty it, it's tough. It's right there. I think I think both teams score it might be the first of 24 wins in this game, but we'll get on to that uh, sooner rather than later. I'm going to preview the Aggies. Not going to talk as much about 2020. I think we're past that point. We're starting to get a bit of a better sample size. So we're going to just talk about 2021 for Texas A&M, and that's how we'll do the rest of the season, um, unless something's just striking, pops out. Of course, Texas A&M has beaten Kent State, Colorado, and New Mexico. They lost to Arkansas. Average margin of victory is just under 23 points, and they lost by 10 to Arkansas, so that would be their average margin of defeat. Their offense, this year, they've mustered 23.8 points per game. That's good for 98th in the, in the league in all of college football. 227 passing yards per game and 169 rushing yards per game. And both of those numbers 
are a little bit inflated by just kind of the competition they've played. Even their their non-conference Power Five is a pretty poor opponent. They're averaging two opponents per two. Excuse me, can't speak. Two turnovers per game, a fumble and six two fumbles and six interceptions all year. Uh, they are losing the turnover battle. We'll get to that in a minute. They've had six passing and four rushing touchdowns, so just ten total touchdowns on offense in four games. Who's been doing most of the passing for them after the injury of Haynes King is Zach Calzada. He is just over fifty three or fifty two percent, right under fifty three percent, I should say. For just 5.6 yards per attempt, that's less than our offense. So we often harp on the yards per attempt uh, with with Will Rogers, and Zach Calzada is under that. He's thrown four touchdowns and three picks. He's only got 1.5 <clears throat> excuse me yard per carry, so I wouldn't call him a very prolific running threat either. On offense, the guy you really got to worry about, their bell cow last season was Isaiah Spiller. He's got 52 carries for 345 yards, so that's 6.6 yards per carry. Also has 13 catches for another 106 yards, and he's got three total touchdowns. You good? You there? Yeah. Yeah, I heard a a ruckus. Lounge just gets tired of me monologuing through these stats. Yeah. I understand. Well, Well, we'll try to make it work here. Uh, the next toughest guy you got to worry about on offense, and probably the yeah, best athlete. Yeah, Isaiah Spiller, he, he's, like you said, he's their best weapon, bell cow, whatever you want to call him. But really, just, you, he's so quick. He's, he's got a good, great cutback, but he Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's an NFL I've back. Him since last he's, he's an NFL. Oh, yeah, ain't no doubt about that. He, um,. Oh, easily. He's a good. Just, uh, this just is that court. We're gonna that quarterback Calzada. Well, I'm just thinking Cal, you're, we're gonna have to make Calzada make mistakes. We need to get some pressure. Then, cause oh, you're, now look, look, you're getting ahead of ourselves. The keys to the game are the last segment before we get on to our predictions. Well, I just like talking about. <laughs> I, I get I get ahead of myself. Sometimes. You're, you, no, you're you're totally fine. I agree with you. Uh, making Calzada beat you is going to be tough if you're a Texas A&M. If that's the recipe, so outside, well, I, I, oh, think, going. I, think, I think that game is pretty obvious to everybody. Oh yeah, no, we're not uh we're not exactly Nostradamus or John Madden with those predictions there or with those keys, I should say. You're more like Captain Obvious. Exactly. There are some other keys. There is. And the biggest one is don't make mistakes. But we'll get that to that towards the end. Another guy that you really, really have to worry about is Jalen Wertermeyer. So they have a really good tight end tradition at Texas A&M. And, and Wertermeyer is no exception. He's NFL ready. Um, he has 13 catches for 159 yards. So a really good yards per catch there. He is a big guy. He's huge. Going to be tough for uh, to cover. Going to have to have linebackers playing their best stuff with him. He can outrun most defense defenders that are similar sized. He's a real weapon for them. And a, and a struggling quarterback's best friend is a big, sure-handed tight end, and that's what he's, he is for uh, Zach Calzada. Anaya Smith is probably their best receiver. He has 15 catches for 170 yards. And their change of pace running back, Devin Arcane, he has 35 rushes for 227 yards. That's 6.5 yards per carry. And he's got 12 catches for 87 yards. So they their running backs uh, room is pretty pretty good. 
Their offensive line has struggled a little bit. We'll get to that more when we uh, talk about the team as a whole. And in the receiving game, they haven't been terribly impressive outside of uh, Wertermeyer, but of course, when you've got a struggling quarterback, it's hard to make the receiver shine. On defense, Texas A&M has been really, really solid this year, uh, more than solid perhaps. 9.2 points per game allowed, only allowing hundred and less than 120 passing yards per game. Now, they are giving up 172 rushing yards per game, but of course, for the offense that we run, that doesn't bode too terribly well. Just 12 sacks all year, and against the team that they've played, it's a little bit surprising. Uh, but 33 tackles for loss, which is which is outstanding, the, the that second number there. They've got four interceptions, and they have not recovered a fumble on defense. So, knock on wood here, but maybe we don't uh, have a long fumble on our first drive. Antonio Johnson leads the team with 26 tackles. 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 Aaron Hansford has 23 tackles. Leon O'Neill Jr. with 12 tackles and two interceptions, and one of those went back for a touchdown. And while we're at it, their punter is pretty good. Most of the kicks go for touchbacks, so don't expect too much in the return game unless something just breaks our way. Anything that sticks out to you? No, I mean, you cover basically kind of a brief description of they're kind of the big players and how good their defense is. We're going to peek behind the curtain of that defense a little bit. So they have a really good defense. I'm not going to take away from Texas A&M's defense at all, okay? I will be honest, though. They have not played anybody outside of Arkansas, Okay. Kent State has the 101st ranked offense. Colorado, it says their offense is 64th, and this is based on points. I think it's worse than that in terms of yards because I went back and looked, and it's just, ugh. Um, New Mexico, 115th, and, and 64th isn't good, by the way, but New Mexico is 115th in terms of points. Their opponents have combined for an 8-8 eight and eight record. And remember, Arkansas is 4-0. And the rest of their opponents, therefore, are, are four and eight. Ours, just for reference, are eleven and five. So we've played a lot better opponents. Um, their passing defense is their biggest strength. They're allowing less than tw- one hundred twenty yards to the air, like I said. But all of these teams that they've played are rushing teams. Arkansas is a power running game. They have one really good receiver, but they only threw for two hundred forty six yards last week, which is very respectable, but not <clears throat> just lights out, you know. Colorado's yeah. offense is really bad. What would you say, Lounge? Nah, just go ahead. <clears throat> Colorado's offense is really bad. <clears throat> and it, it looks worse than the stats show if you go watch some of these games. Um, I've seen them play a couple times. I didn't get to see the AM game, but when they do move the ball, it's on the ground. Colorado, they pass way less than they throw. Kent State, same thing. At New Mexico, we've all seen the Terry Wilson show up at Kentucky, and I think he's a heck of an athlete, a great athlete, uh, one of the better athletes to probably come through Kentucky. But he's a quarterback at New Mexico, and we saw what he could do through the air, and it wasn't much. And Texas A&M has, has seen him before. It wasn't um, He wasn't exactly just dicing people up, and he isn't at New Mexico either. So they're not th- playing teams that are known for passing the ball. Believe it or not, Texas A&M is getting outrushed this year, which is really odd considering most of their opponents have played from behind, except for, of course, Arkansas. 
I guess Colorado, they were ahead for or tied for a lot of the game, or ahead for a lot of the game. But um, they have been outrushed. We rushed for over 100 yards against LSU, and I, I just wonder, kind of giving a preview to kind of some of the keys, if we'll run the ball some more this weekend too. Because, like I said, they're a little bit susceptible in the run game. They're pretty good in the passing game. But we've been running the ball more and more, it seems like. So I just feel like that's something that could happen. Don't you, would you agree there? Yeah. I mean, Lee has to stick with him. Like I said, he, finally, he saw we could be productive. It's just we can't just shoot ourselves in the foot, though. Right. And I think a lot of the running plays comes from Will Rogers' checks, the line of scrimmage. I think as he gets better at learning the offense, he's going to check into those runs when they're favorable. And I imagine we'll see a lot of favorable runs. I imagine they're going to really shore up against the pass and leave some stuff underneath and some stuff in the run game. Offensively, A&M, they're pretty pedestrian. Uh, I had garbage written down in my notes, but I, that's, that's, that's unfair. Their two running backs are rushing well from a yards per carry standpoint, but this is odd. And I don't know if this is a, a failing of Jimbo Fisher or just the way that the scheme is working out or maybe they're finding just better use for him as a pass blocker. That just doesn't sound right. But Isaiah Spiller is only getting about 15 touches per game. I would not be surprised if that came up this weekend simply because he's really good and you just got to get that guy the ball. But 15 touches per game isn't enough. And maybe that's because in two of these games were blowouts and he's getting sat, he's sitting for two quarters. I don't know. But that's odd to me. Their offensive line hasn't played up to their standards. You know, for lesser competition, they've given up nine sacks, which is less than what we've given up. And the quarterback play is really, though, where the offense is, is struggling. They're one-dimensional, but they still try to pass a lot. But they're, they're just not getting the yards per attempt, the yards per completion. They, the best way to describe it, I think, is a lack of identity because they still want to pass, but they're still coming up with some yards, but they're turning the ball over. Um, they're not scoring at the clip that they like to be. They're having to run the ball to, to get most of their important yards You know, when, when the game's on the line, but they still want to pass the ball. They have some talent in the receiving and especially in the tight end game, but they're, it's just not getting done with the backup quarterback. And that's what happens when the, you got to throw the second-string guy out there, but it has been a little bit of a struggle for Zach Calzada, and I—he's just not right now. There's there's no way that he is a guy that can give you the game. You know, he he actually made a clutch play against Colorado with about three minutes left to take the lead, <clears throat> which was impressive. But you're playing a much lesser talented team there, and it took you all game to finally put something on the board to sneak out of there with the win. Uh, they played that game in Denver, actually, not Boulder, Colorado, where the where the Buffaloes play most of their games, but. Very odd um, situation out there that, you know, after last year that they want to be, they thought that this could be their year. You know, they're getting Alabama at home. They thought that they just missed it, the playoff by that one little game. And honestly, they, they could have made it anyway. I wouldn't have been too upset at all if they had made the playoff last year. And, you know, replacing that, a four-year quarterback was going to be tough, but they had a lot of guys coming back. It just hasn't really worked out um, so far. Defensively, they've been really good, but again, they, they got exposed a little bit by that Arkansas offense, and none of the other offenses they've played have been worth anything. So I really, it's really interesting to see. I think A&M is kind of on the precipice between fix, fixing things and kind of getting back on track to where they might win 
eight or nine games or falling off to more like six or seven wins. You know what I mean? Lounge Dog. Have I lost you, Lounge Dog? Technical difficulties are just abundant tonight. I think we got it fixed up, though. Uh, Wi-Fi is acting up here at Mississippi State University, which is where I'm camped out here. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, Lounge Dog, what about this Texas A&M team, you know, struggling to, to move the ball, really good in the, in the the on the defensive side of things, but got punched in the mouth uh, by an Arkansas offense last week, and the teams they have been played well against from a defensive standpoint haven't been very good offenses. Is this a, a very beatable or just a team that Mississippi State is going to have trouble matching up against? I, I think I think they're beatable because they're not a high-explosive offense. They're kind of a grind you, grind you out and just kind of a run. <coughs> Excuse me. A ground and pound. Jimbo Fisher stuck in the 1990s instead of like this high explosive offense like and yet they're court. still not getting you know their best player too many touches which is just surprising I I almost feel like they're gonna he's gonna come to his senses and let Spiller carry the ball 25 times this Saturday I mean I would but Jim, maybe they know something we don't I mean but he knows we have a pretty good run defense. That's also true. Uh, that's that's kind of what I want to get at at the keys. You know, I think it is a defensive struggle, and it's all because of A and M because they can't score very if, effectively, and they but they can play defense. So that's going to make this kind of a low scoring game all because of them. I think just from a just a keys to the game standpoint, the team that's going to make the big mistake is going to cost themselves the game, and that's bad if you're us because we've been the team that makes the big mistake. I think we have a chance to really make Texas A&M one dimensional. I think they have a team a chance to make this team um, force their quarterback to make plays, which I don't know if he's capable of doing. I know if you just cover up that tight end in Wertermeyer and you get a. Uh, Calzada in the third and medium or third and long. I don't know if he's going to be able to deliver. But we have to avoid making mistakes. Texas A&M losing the turnover battle this year, so we I think we need to be able to capitalize on turnovers, especially interceptions. Uh, not going to get much from their defense in terms I – I just don't think we're going to be able to put up 450 passing yards or anything like that. But with field position and stuff like that, you got to win those battles in the kicking game, I think, to make those chances shorter – you know, to kind of play that chess match with field position and get some points on the board that way because the odds of you having a, a lot of long drives for touchdowns is just slim, I think, against this bunch. Oh, yeah. I mean, as usual, we're going to have to play a perfect game to have a chance. And, well, and that comes the talent, talent gap, allegedly. I don't know. Maybe our offense with their defense is a little bit of a talent gap. On the you reverse that, I don't think there's a talent gap that bad. They have they might have more stars from the you know run game and the defensive aspect. I don't know if the it's not like us versus Alabama or us versus 
or on the flip side, us versus a uh, uh, group of five team. Some other keys, uh, just don't make mistakes. And we, we've said that so many times. I don't think Calzada can win the game for them, but we're going to give him the opportunity to do that if we continue to do everything that we've done in pretty much every game except NC State, and that is turnovers, which we don't have a ton. They're just at, the, at a terrible, terrible time when they come. It's when we're driving and making headway and early in the game when the momentum is all in our favor and then it just shifts. You know, That's when the turnovers are coming. Or we're uh, giving them six points off of turnovers. You know, that We've got a pick six and a scooping score already. Got to clean up with stupid penalties. We had a mostly penalty-free game last Saturday, but the the worst penalty of the game couldn't have come at really a worse time. You know, you're about to get the ball back, and you just give them their uh, give it right back to LSU after a three and out with good field position. We can't do that. Again, if we make on the road, if you make one or two mistakes like that, that's probably the game. So we got to find a way to get that cleaned up. Uh, there ain't no doubt about that. And it's and it's troubling. I, the reason I don't know if we can do that is because there's mistakes in all three phases. You had special teams mistakes, offensive mistakes, and defensive mistakes on Saturday. I don't understand what it's going to take to fix that. And that, it could be our downfall this year. It, those mistakes are already looking like it's the difference between a good bowl season and missing out on a bowl game entirely, which is insane. It, it's looking like it could have been, you know, Eight and four. If we if we imagine if you, you're changed two or three plays and you win the last and we're four and zero oh right now, we're probably ranked and looking at losses to Alabama and maybe one or two other games. But outside of that, we're sitting pretty. It's just is crazy how these mistakes have worked out. So that's why I said there's a they always say there's a fine line between winning and losing, particularly in this league. True. Something I want to I want to look at the walking walking bully not a, no V just walking bully on Twitter did a little deep dive into some research here. This is pretty pretty fascinating. I would have to say Mississippi State has given up thirteen touchdowns, just too many. Eleven of those have come from explosive plays or turnovers. So if you remember, NC State had a four yard pass and LSU's first touchdown. On Saturday, the only one that was an explosive play was an 11-yard pass. Other than that, they've been plays of longer than 25 yards or come directly from turnovers. You've got a 72-yarder, a 59-yarder, a 25-yarder, a pick six, a scoop and score. I mean, this is just insane. That has to that has to be cut down, and this is something. We've gotten that before. We've talked about how the defense is going to give up big plays, but but we can live with that because you won't have long drives. Defense is going to give up some chunks, but but you know we'll be okay as long as we keep everything in front of us and just give up one or two of those plays. Those plays though are killing us. The games that we've lost, uh, the game against LSU, we almost we almost lost to Louisiana Tech this way, are simply because of one or two plays. Over half of LSU's offense came on just three different passing plays on Saturday. We can't let that happen. There, there, I think a change needs to be made, not not from a coaching or personnel standpoint, but just you've got to start letting them dink and dunk a little bit and not play as aggressive, um, not play as aggressive as we have been because we're getting burnt. It would be different, I think, if you're getting five or six. That's a little much. You're getting three or four turnovers per game. But you got two against Louisiana Tech. You got one against Memphis. 
uh, I think, did we turn, turn the ball over against NC State, or did they turn the ball over? Yes, on the one yeah, fumble. There's a fumble. On the last play of the game, I don't know if I no, count that. that was, it was like a half-bag. Like, like, oh, yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah. So you got two there. You got two against Louisiana Tech. You got one against Memphis and one against LSU. You know that if you're if you're turning the if you're getting turnovers three or two or three or four a game, it's I think it's okay to kind of give up those big plays. If you're getting sacks, if you're getting five or six sacks per game, uh, it's okay to kind of give up big plays. We've only got seven sacks this year, so I, I think it's time to just. I'm not saying play prevent all game, not at all, but I think it's time to kind of dial things back and let let the game come to you a little bit on defense. And and that doesn't sound like me at all because I'm I would, I've always been in favor of the aggressive defense, but the numbers aren't lying right here. And, I, and again, we've talked about how good Zach Arnett is and stuff like that, but if you peek behind the curtain of our own defense a little bit, kind of like we did Texas A&M's, we're, the big play is killing us. And and you always hear people say, would you rather give up big plays or long drives? Or that's kind of how Zach Arnett's defense works. You know, you don't give up long drives, but you do give up big plays. But but we're losing on those. So would we'd almost rather have a couple, you know, Long drives where you kick a field goal, or maybe you waste some time off the clock and you pin us deep, but we, we you don't score. Rather than all out of nowhere, you're streaking towards the end zone. You know. Right. I'd, I'd like to play like we did against NC State all the time. All right, so now it's your time to shine. You've got to give me three, pretty much just your charity work for the week, three chances for our listeners to come out ahead this weekend and earn some, earn a little bit of pay, earn a little bit of money. All right. Well, how on that Texas minus five and a half? Well, first off, First two weeks, I am four and two. So we're doing good. So, it seems like you try to go for a three for. Got to get a sweep this weekend. We need it. Need it. Take Texas minus five and a half versus TCU. Only five. They're only getting five and a half. Yes. After they beat Texas Tech by fifty. Yes. I have to agree with you on that one. What's next? Free money, but you mean take Army minus nine. I'm going to go back to the well on Army, but not the total this time. So this is three weeks in a row you've done You've done with Army, gone with Army, but we're, we're talking about the spread, not the over-under. Yes. Who are they playing? They're playing Ball State. I'm going to have to take that one, too. Man. I think... Boy. It's... I want to... I was sitting here, it's been strong. It's tough, tough choices. Give me West Virginia minus seven and a half at home. They bounced back from a close loss at Oklahoma. They got Texas Tech. 
So they're only favored by seven and a half after Texas Tech just lost by 60. Yeah, they're at home. It all comes back to that Texas versus Texas Tech game. Yes. I see you've got some of your favorites. Texas is a favorite, although you picked Arkansas to beat them correctly the other day. Texas is a favorite of yours. You've got uh, Army is definitely your go-to. So patterns are emerging here. Yes, because everybody else, college football is so unpredictable. But it's like, there's a couple of things, just consistency and like, I'm on a bit of a streak with some, some of these teams. But, and I would say you could take, You did. Oh, we're good on the three. If you want to put a bonus one, I'm not going to argue with you. So we really want to be degenerate. Go ahead and take that Vandy minus 14 and a half. Oh, no. You think Vandy is going to cover the spread? Let me see. Their favorite minus 14 and a half and over under is 51. You think Vanderbilt's going to cover the spread? So we got four today. We're going to go with four. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, take me. Give me 80 minus 14 and a half. So we got a bonus one today. That's the money one right there. So we will uh, come back to that game in a minute. But we got Texas minus seven and a half versus TCU. Army getting nine from Ball State. West Virginia getting seven and a half from Texas Tech, and Vandy getting fourteen and a half from UConn. Those are your takes there. You're picking the favorites to cover all four of those games. Yes, I got you. All right, we'll see what happens in a couple days from now. We have got probably the best slate of SEC games thus far to pick this weekend. Uh, only a couple of non-conference games. It was mostly in, in, in conference this week. First things first, your second favorite team, I, I think. I'm a little bit facetious there, but Arkansas going to Georgia to play between the hedges. Uh, give me Georgia. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think – I'm not necessarily going to say that Arkansas is going to just come back down to earth and, and be what we expected it to be, but I think Georgia's just too good. I'd, I'd be tempted to pick this game the other way if it was at home for Arkansas. Tennessee at Missouri. Oh, it's all the problem with things in Tennessee. I, that's why I think we're under Florida. Give me Mizzou bounce back at home after losing to Boston College. I have to agree with you there. Let me uh type that in before we forget. Okay. Probably the most uh, anticipated game of the weekend by some, if not for that first game, uh, Arkansas Georgia is Ole Miss at Bama. Bama. I'm gonna tell you tell you what. Alabama's already had their close game this year against Florida, closer than than we thought. Ole Miss has put a lot of bulletin board material out there, and I don't think Nick Saban subscribes to all of that. But this is this game has been hyped up too much. 
Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban know each other too well for anybody involved to overlook this game. I think not only does Nick Saban not overlook it, but if the Ole Miss bunch gets a little bit too emotional, coupled with the fact that Bama is just is is almost more focused than usual, this could be bad. I don't think it's going to be bad, but I don't like Ole Miss's chances for that reason. The years that Ole Miss beat Alabama, they kind of were sneakily good with less hype, or and, and it was more by surprise. Nobody's getting surprised in this game, I don't think. Next, we got Troy at South Carolina. Give me South Carolina. And I, I think it's going to be closer than what people think. We got Florida at Kentucky. Give me Florida. Kentucky's not playing great. I would have to agree there. I have messed something up. Typed in a game that didn't exist. All right, we've got Auburn at LSU. Listen, Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since, like, 1999. That surprised me when I found that out. That's a long time. Yeah, Auburn Auburn's may have some quarterback controversy with T.J. Finley and Bo Nix. But I just think I was not impressed with LSU. You're going to pick – Give me Auburn. Give you Auburn. I like the pick. I like it. I'm going to take LSU. Uh, very interesting game. TJ Finley, who transferred from LSU to Auburn, could very well be starting this weekend. Here, I'm kind of going to pick Auburn for selfish reasons. If Auburn loses this game, they are that Auburn is the best chance to finish behind us in league play this year. I don't know if that happens, but they do have to play Georgia. Uh, I don't know who their other East team is. They do have to play Georgia. So. Auburn. Yes. Uh, no. uh, South Carolina, I'll say. That seems right. I think they played South Carolina last year, but they um, that was the COVID year, so it it it's different. You know, those some of those don't don't really go the way they're supposed to. I'll go ahead and look. We can figure this out. Yeah, it is South Carolina because I remember we had to make that in a preseason. Right, right. It is at South Carolina. So there's a, a little bit of an easier game for him, but we'll have to see. We'll see. We get Vanderbilt, so I'm going to pick it. Stick with LSU for the reason you said. Haven't beaten them in so long. I really th- thought Auburn looked suspect uh, this weekend. They, think, they, they think, fired a wide receivers coach this week. I think Brian Horse is going to get their attention and ready to roll. That's a good. That's a good perspective there. All right. You you trash. You look. Awful against Georgia State. I don't think that's going to happen. Not, not against LSU. Probably not. We have the dandy of them all. Unequivocally, the best game of the weekend. You've already made your pick. It is UConn at Vanderbilt. Both of these teams are ranked offensively and defensively in the bottom five out of 130, as well as in total points. And points allowed. So, total yards, yards allowed, total points, points allowed. They are near the bottom in just about every category. I'm going to also take Vandy, since you've already made that call on your free money. But Vanderbilt will be quite, quite, quite fortunate to not only win this game, 
but to do any better than 2-10. and 10. And, in fact, I don't think they will. This is their last non-conference game. It's nothing but SEC games from here on out. I don't see any way fathomable, fathomable that they catch Kentucky or that they catch um, South Carolina or Tennessee or maybe even Missouri. None of those games. Those games have blowout written all over it. Us, again, I know we haven't been playing great, but I think we can slaughter Vandy. I'm going to take Vanderbilt in this game, but it will be the last time. So what? I'm going to go ahead and give my score prediction. I'm going to give it first, and that gives you a little bit of an advantage. I'm going to have to – I think we're going to have trouble uh, in College Station, and I'm going to I'm going to say we probably lose this one 24 to 21. Well, I'm going to take A&M 21, Michigan State 17. So we're hoping for an incorrect prediction here. Yes. We are going to switch up the juju. Switch up the juju here. This is this the first one you've picked us to lose? Yes. See, I picked us to lose three already. So I'm, I feel like a negative Nancy over here. We should be. I was proven wrong once. And I was proven wrong much to my dismay against uh, Tennessee. I mean, against Memphis. Against LSU, I was so close to being right that it hurt. And it hurt my feelings to be right because we lost. Next week, next Monday, I'll be um, arguing from the positive standpoint. Lounge will be arguing from a negative standpoint. We'll see how long that segment lasts. It might be later in the season, might be something different. Um, Until next time, of course, swing your sword and hail state.